3: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Belly Up Sports' NFL Draft Coverage. It is the first time ever and hopefully the first of many, many more to come. Belly Up Sports once again presents its MDs Fantasy Football NFL Draft Coverage on April 28th and 29th. So the Detroit Lions are the ones on the clock. They're gonna make their pick soon, but the Giants, I'm getting where just traded with fifty different guests to bring you the most versatile coverage around from NFL analysis to fantasy football analysis and pick by pick betting analysis. Let's go to the pick here. Paris Marshall finally off. Extensive coverage on the market live only on Dot TV, Roku, and YouTube starting Thursday, April twenty eighth at seven thirty p.m. Eastern.
0: This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader,
2: giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. <laughs>
3: Welcome, 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 MD Nation back for another edition of the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Live on Belly Up TV and on your Belly Up Sports Roku channels. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube if you ever want to comment in live on the show. We'll get to those throughout. And download us on your favorite podcast app after the show's over. Listen to us at your earliest and best convenience i'm your host dan Mater. i'm joined here with a great guest from the bufl crew and from dynasty brews mr justin herrera justin how you doing today hey
2: i'm doing great today dan thanks for having me on
3: i'm so glad you can make it on Excited to do this show! It's finally April, and as you guys could tell from the opening video, we're getting ready to do our NFL draft coverage, our second annual NFL draft coverage here with Belly Up Sports. I can't wait for that! It's going to kick off 7:30 p.m. on April 28th for the first round, and we're going to go all the way through. We're giving NFL analysis, fantasy football analysis, and pick by pick betting analysis. All these you can look for. We got 50 different guests coming on throughout the first three rounds. And Justin Herrera is going to be one of those guests here. And because it's April, it's time to start actually looking at these draft classes, getting ready for our dynasty rookie drafts that will happen immediately after the NFL draft is over. So I want make sure you guys know at least what the talent is. Will their value change based upon their circumstances? Of course. That's all part of it. That's why, by the way, you shouldn't be doing dynasty startup drafts with rookies included until after the NFL draft has taken place. I've seen a lot of that going around lately. But nonetheless, we want to make sure you know how talented these guys actually are and what systems they may fit best in for your purposes. So if you draft a certain team, you already know, hey, You know what? That guy fits that system really well. Maybe he wasn't number one on my board, but now he gets an extra boost because of the situation that he finds himself in. Now we're talking about the quarterbacks and the tight ends this year. And this is the perfect two positions to talk about from this standpoint. This draft is not very top heavy. It's deep. There are positions of depth you will find throughout this NFL draft class to be excited about as we get into those third fourth fifth sixth rounds more so than other years but this year we don't really have those first rounder flashy talents they're in the offensive line they're along the defensive line but not as much from a fantasy standpoint so keep that in mind when we go through these quarterback and tight end classes because we're gonna have to get a little creative in some of our analysis i believe as we go through the list before we get to that though justin i want to get your take on this because we have been back since last wednesday night or la- yeah last wednesday night so We haven't get to talk about the Devontae Parker trade yet on this show. So let me throw that to you. What do you think about Parker getting traded to the Patriots? What does that do for him?
2: Uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that opens up a whole new uh, door for him. To be honest, Mac Jones has needed somebody who can attack the field at all three levels. That's kind of what Devontae Parker can do. As of right now, he has, you know, his deep threat, Aguilar, He has his possession receiver Myers and he has his slot slash crafty go-to guy in Kendrick Bourne, but he doesn't have one of those guys cannot really be like a, you know, somebody who can take on a different role. They all seem to be set in their roles. Devontae Parker is more of a guy that I see, you know, he can go deep. He can be in the slot. He can be all over the field, which opens it up for Mac Jones to be able to, you know, rely on him in a different role, you know, downfield Whereas, you know, Jacoby Myers, we're not going downfield with Jacoby Myers. I mean, we'll go downfield with Kendrick Bourne, but a lot of times, you know, you're relying on, you know, a nickel corner not being good enough to cover him or safeties over the top on, you know, a different receiver. So for that, I I look at that and I go, Devontae Parker is definitely going to be a welcome addition to this team. Is it the addition we wanted? Maybe not. I think a lot of people would have wanted somebody like an OBJ, somebody a little bit more flashy and fantasy to go there. But I do think later rounds wise, he could be a kind of a fantasy steal, especially considering when you consider Kendrick Bourne had two touchdown games last year, like every other game. It seemed like from week eight on
3: my initial instinct, which I do believe was correct, is that this was a Big deal for Devontae Parker's fantasy value moving forward. He's instantly the best wide receiver on the Patriots. That's first and foremost. Obviously, coming at getting out of the Dolphins situation, we expect them to move on from him anyway, but had he stayed with the Dolphins, you're talking about Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, newly signed Cedric Wilson. So you get Devontae Parker to move on where he's the best receiver on the team automatically. Might not be getting paid like some of the other guys with the ridiculous contracts that they got a season ago, but he is the best guy. However, when you look at the Patriots for the past couple of years now, especially since Brady's moved on, this is not just a run-balanced team. This is a run-heavy, run-first team. And I don't know that that changes going into this season. So the question is then going to become, when they do throw the ball, two things. Does Mac Jones take that next step up? And... Are the target share going to exclusively at a high rate go to Devontae Parker? Because if they continue on with this, we got to get Hunter Henry involved. We got to find a way to get your Smith involved. You're paying him too much money. You still sprinkle in the Nelson Aguilar's, the Kendrick Bourne's, the Jacoby Myers of the world. Is there enough left over for him to be relevant and The answer to that's going to be, it's all going to be based upon what's his ADP value going to wind up being in 2022. We know he has the talent if he gets targeted enough down the field, but Mac Jones, not dissimilar from Tua Tagovailoa in the sense of he doesn't like to push the envelope, and I don't think he's going to suddenly get more aggressive now with Joshua Daniels out and Bill Belichick going full Bill Belichick on this offense. At least that's where I stand on it. I don't know if you have a rebuttal to that.
2: Um, No, I just wanted to throw in this real quick. What a freaking bold move by Miami to trade within the division when the last time that happened to you, that was Wes Welker. (laughs) You know, I'm not saying he's on the track to be Wes Welker, but it didn't work out too well for him. And he played him two times a year for, I think, like six years or so and was absolutely having games. So bold move. Not a lot of teams will do that precisely for the idea that they don't want their scheme going over with that person.
3: Well, the two things would be Parker's never played in the system that's going to be now implemented in Miami, so that might not be as much of a concern, first and foremost. But the second thing is that clearly that means the Patriots were offering more more than the competition to trade him away. That's what that also tells you, the fact that they were willing uh, to do that. But an interesting point there by you, Justin. All right, so let's get into these quarterback and tight end classes. We're kicking off the first half hour with the quarterbacks. We've already wasted eight minutes, and you know, frankly, I don't think it was a waste because I don't think we're going to have to take too much time on this. <laughs> but let's talk about the guy that probably from a fantasy standpoint is going to have people the most excited that's Malik Willis. He's coming in from Liberty 6'1", 219. He's got the big arm. He's got the mobility that you're looking for. But I have a lot of concerns. I want to hear Justin's point of view on Malik Willis first, though.
2: Yeah, small school transfer from Auburn. Um, guy came in. He's got a giant arm. You know, he's a little bit on the shorter side. Everybody wants to compare him to Josh Allen. He's not the 6'2", 6'3", build that Josh Allen is. Um One thing that is really concerning for me, I'm kind of on your side on this one, Dan, where I'm kind of like, there's a lot of red flags with him, but one really glaring red flag for him, he's inaccurate. And when he runs the ball, he runs the ball very combative. So he runs the ball to kind of get hit. And I don't like that if I'm investing in a quarterback, especially a first round quarterback. I'm investing four or five years with you, $18 million off my books, and you're going to tell me oh, I'm just going to run straight ahead and hit this guy. Like he was doing that tons of times in college. I want to see this guy learn how to slide. I think that's the one thing a lot of these quarterbacks coming out, they haven't really done very well on on tape. It show me that they can slide and not take a hit. Because at the next level, the hits just get harder. They just get faster. They come at you with the intent of knocking you out. And – You know, I look at that and I go, this guy is kind of elusive. He's maybe a little bit more elusive than he thinks he is. I would put him more in the Russell Wilson category than Lamar Jackson. Um, You know, like I said, he's got a good arm, but at the end of the day, he's inaccurate. He's got some footwork issues. Um, And like I said, I'm not really uh, bullish on a guy who can't know how to or doesn't know how to slide and protect himself.
3: Well, speaking to that point, the guy that I think he could hope to be, hope to be, is Jalen Hurts. But the difference between him and a Jalen Hurts, Hurts is thick. He's got a nice build. Malik Willis is a skinny frame build. More my mind, he's more along the lines of an RG3 than he is of these some of these other guys. As far as his build goes, he's not quite as fast as RG3 was coming out of college, but as far as his build and i do worry about that like you said that if you're going to take hits remember you played at liberty you didn't even play at the, you know the top end schools here if you're going to take those hits it's going to hurt so he's going to have to learn how to slide but that's not my big issue when it comes to malik willis my big issue is the fact that this guy can't hit the broad side of a barn even against lesser competition he decreased decreased his completion percentage in his his final year here at Liberty than he did his second year starting. He went from 64% to 61%. By the way, in college terms, you NFL prorate that out. That's about a 54 completion percentage. What that's along the lines of what we saw out of a Jalen Hurts. Not a Lamar Jackson. People get this confused all the time. They, they think that Lamar Jackson was his inaccurate thrower coming out of college. No, 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 no. He wasn't. He was over 70% when he came out of Louisville. Much different situation. Has a much longer trip to go to overcome that. Malik Willis can't come in and start right away. The only way that he can is if you were to pull a Philadelphia Eagle, pull a Baltimore Raven, or you become this run-first team built primarily on option RPO, you know, pistol formation type of team. You'd have to, contr- you have to confine your team to be all around that. The team's interested in him, at least the ones that I'm hearing about anyway, the Steelers, the Saints, the Panthers, none of those teams I believe would do that. None of those teams I believe would do that. So I think there's not too many fits for him to go and he can't start right away. There is a long learning curve for him that comes with it. Anytime they played against better competition, mm-hmm. he, he was awful absolutely terrible picks everywhere all the time. I compare him. My NFL comparison for him is Cordell Stewart, AKA meaning you're probably gonna have to become a wide receiver before your NFL career is over. If you want to stay in the NFL, I don't have a lot of faith here, but he's still the number one quarterback on my board for fantasy football purposes. If that tells you anything.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. I mean, that just tells you that it really is a dual threat league and, and fantasy football. Dual threat quarterbacks rule everything. I mean, you want your top five quarterbacks, three of them last year were dual threats. So that that tells you a lot.
3: Exactly. And then that's where I'll harp on. I gave a lot of NFL, so that's where I'll harp on the fantasy side now. If he plays, he's going to run. If Mm -hmm. he runs, he's going to be at least, at minimum, a high-end QB2, low-end QB1 given on the matchup. I just don't think he has a longevity. So, when we're looking at this from a dy- dynasty standpoint, if you're thinking to yourself, you're trying to, you need to get a quarterback in your dynasty league, I don't know that I would bother because I don't think the longevity is necessarily going to be there. This is more of a best ball 2022 redraft, right. depending upon where he goes, idea than it is multiple years down the road, at least from my estimation.
2: So, what if he, what if he goes to a, a solid team that's, you know, maybe like uh, trending towards a bridge quarterback situation. Like say he goes to the Pittsburgh Steelers and they actually stay true to Trubisky or they, he goes to Detroit. Um, you know, I don't see him going at two, but maybe they draft backwards or they trade backwards or trade up from 32. What if he goes there and sits a year behind golf? Would you be more interested in his dynasty value then?
3: No. No. no, Detroit would be the worst place for him because he's going to have no weapons. He's going to run like a banshee there. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh par- part of it. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh part of it. Because that's a good team, a good organization. You'd have a good foundation around him. And what I see is a guy that's not, he, I don't want to never say a guy can't ever do it, but he has such a long learning curve when it comes to reading defenses and getting touch on the ball, especially outside the hashes. That's my big thing. He could throw it a mile. And if you're deep, he can hit you deep. But when it comes to that precise, I need you to hit this precise in this precise out at this 12 yard mark with the ball on the outside shoulder. He can't do it. We haven't seen it in college. It takes a lot more to do that in the NFL and learn how to do that. And the only guy that I've seen really surprise me and actually learn how to do that and make big strides when they showed no, no ability for that at the college level and actually be able to pick that up along the way in the NFL in a short amount of time was Josh Allen. Mm -hmm. He's the only guy who has surprised me and has been able to do that. Only one, any other guy I've seen that doesn't have that innate ability or is as far off the mark as a Malik Willis typically is with his ball placement in those areas of the field. I don't see them. They don't usually close the gap. Not before they're run out of the league.
2: Yeah. And I mean, Allen was just an outlier. You shouldn't strive to be the outlier. You should, you know, try and fall in line with being along the lines of the progression of his fundamentals. I totally agree with you. Um, Josh Allen comparison is almost like one in a million at this point because there's not really anybody at this point who's Josh Allen. And, you know, it's been proven through years. I mean, there's too many, too few small school quarterbacks that have actually really like come out with bad fundamentals and done really well in the NFL.
3: Yeah. And but let's hit on the first point he came out with. Don't strive to try to aim for the outlier as what you're what you're shooting for, because most of the time you'll get burned on that kind of a strategy. That that works for NFL. It also works for fantasy football. Let's move it along to Kenny Pickett, who's the second guy on most people's boards. Unfortunately, because of this quarterback situation, he's, he is the second on my board. I uh, could be going in the first second round, probably the first round, because of the lack of quarterbacks around. He had a big, big senior year. He had a big senior year. Huge. Yeah. So everybody wants to compare him to Joe Burrow. Justin, do you like that comparison?
2: No. I mean, I see where people are comparing him because, you know, it's comparable. They both had, you know, big years in their last season. I mean, he, what, tripled his – touchdowns in one year. I mean, he was throwing, he thrown 13 touchdowns as his like uh, career high at that point, or his a uh, single season high at that point for two seasons. Then he comes out with 42 this year. Like what's going on there. But you know what? I, you know, I liked watching Kenny Pickett's tape. I just don't know if it transitions all the way to the NFL. Um, a lot of things I see uh, when he evades, um, he tends to drift backwards rather than actually like go laterally and keep his eyes open for somebody to come back to him. He tends to just drift backwards and try and find somebody and sling it out there. And sometimes that messes up his release. I mean, he doesn't release on his proper foot and then, you know, or he doesn't get his proper footing down and then his release is a little bit wobbly. So there's just, there's he certain have the arm things-
3: strength to make up for it either.
2: Yeah, exactly. He doesn't have the arm strength and the way that he liked to to run in college. Nobody's going to let you do that at the NFL, not with a four seven two speed. I mean, that's a lot of people have uh, been comparing him athletically to Carson Wentz. There's a reason Carson Wentz isn't just running all the time because, you know, he's not going to be able to do that. He's not going to be able to escape these fast defenders nowadays. Linebackers nowadays are running 4-4s. Four you really think you're going to evade these guys at the next level? Um. So, yeah, I mean, I like, the, I like the gamer that is Kenny Pickett, and I think that is kind of like where a lot of people are going with Joe Burrow because Joe Burrow showed the confidence that Kenny Pickett had and the real gamer mentality. But I think that the arm strength isn't there. I think that he does kind of lack the ability to um, evade uh, pressure as well as everybody wants to give him credit for. And I just don't think it's going to translate all that well to the next level. But I got a question for you. Do you think Carolina is going to pick him? Like a lot of people are saying Carolina is going to be the first one off the board and they're going to go after the sure thing with Kenny Pickett not Malik Willis. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that's the end of Matt Roll's career there, but um I don't know what's I don't know why they would do that.
3: I mean, look, I think no I don't I don't think there's a path in which Matt Rolls not getting fired at the end of 2022 regardless. Uh, the only yeah. argument you can make to me of what he might try to do and why they would maybe draft a Kenny Pickett or even a Malik Willis would be he would try to sell them on well we have a quarterback we're trying to groom for the future and that might be his you know case to not get fired by the end of the season I think that's going to happen regardless though we need a, let's let's play that out they draft Kenny Pickett his skill set very similar to a Sam Darnold Sam Darnold only one year older. Than Kenny Pickett. Because remember, Kenny Pickett's a senior red He's an old guy. He's an old guy in college, which I think is also yeah. partly due to why he had the success that he had and why it's kind of a red flag for me there, too. So I don't think you change anything between a Kenny Pickett and a Sam Darnold. The NFL comp that I came away with for Kenny Pickett was Daniel Jones. Not a dual threat guy in the sense that everybody tries to make him out to be. They try to mention his mobility, but a guy who can be sneaky mobile when he needs uh-huh. to move the chains. Does have fumbling issues. I know everybody wants to jump to the hand size. I don't really care about that, but I do care about the fact that he has fumbling issues. I care about the fact that he has shown the inability in, in climate weather, despite playing in Pittsburgh, to be able to get the ball completed outside the hashes. Now, I do want to say some positive things about him because I did come away with some positive tape, and I don't want to be like, this is all negative towards Kenny Pickett just from an NFL standpoint he is probably the most NFL ready quarterback so if somebody was to look for a quarterback they want that they're drafting this year Kenny Pickett probably is that guy on play action bootleg he does throw a pretty nice ball especially when he's able to roll out to his right he can hit a guy pretty deep down the field 25 yards 30 yards on the outside hash we see that show up in the tape pretty consistently as well he does have a pretty high Adjusted completion percentage—he's actually sixth quarterback in the in the nation when it comes to his adjusted completed percentage. So there are some things about Kenny Pickett why these people are enamored with him, but the overall skill set is limited. The ceiling is limited. He pretty much is what he is at this point. And with Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow one has a better overall NFL uh, skill set, especially when it came to anticipation. That was the big thing. And let's not forget, yes, it was one year production. He had the best year ever in college history. A little bit of a different standard. And what do we just say about Josh Allen? Don't strive for the exception of the rule. That's what you would be doing if you're trying to link Kenny Pickett to Joe Burrow because that was the exception of the rule. I'm with you. I'm not big on this. And again, from a fantasy standpoint, this goes back to he doesn't have a high ceiling because he's not going to be a guy who is part of an offense that's going bonkers crazy, scoring a bunch of points, and he's not mobile enough to make up for it.
2: Yeah. Um, Dan, I got one more question for you. You know, this is for the – we're talking about the dynasty side of it. You know, where do you pick a guy like this? Do you go out there and do you take a risk in the back end of the first round? Or do you just – because I'm in the class of I wouldn't just wait to the second round. If he falls to me, sure, I'll take a flyer on him. But with a first-round pick, I kind of want to try and get as sure a bet as possible. And while Kenny Pickett might fall into a job – I don't know if it's going to be a sure bet for like the next three years. You know what I'm
3: saying? Agreed. No, agreed. I, there's I, there's not a quarterback on this list that I would want to take in the first round of a, of a dynasty rookie. I, I would entertain the idea of Malik Willis depending upon where he wound up at if I thought the team would actually build the offensive around him. And I really <laughs> needed a quarterback in a two-quarterback league. But even then, I'm not entertaining it until the second round. And with Kenny Pickett, call me in the third. Call me in a third. I have to be really desperate a quarterback if I'm going to take him any higher than that. Because again, there's just not a lot of upside to be excited about. And if you go as a Carolina, forget it. Forget it in Carolina, especially with Ben McAdoo. And we did the coaching changes, fantasy impact last week. Uh, that's going to be a disaster waiting to happen too when it comes to the coaching standpoint. Let's dive into our next guy. Let's talk about Sam Howell a little bit. We'll talk about these next few guys in a, in a kind of rapid fire way. Now, right now, you got When you have Sam Howe, you have Matt Corral and Desmond Ritter. They all fall in this consensus of late first or second round draft projection. I, I can't see it with any of these guys. I can't see it. There's either Desmond Ritter's case is too raw or in Matt Corral and Sam Howe's case are too limited for me to imagine them going any earlier than the third round. But right now, if you actually look at mock drafts, that seems to be the consensus of where all three of these guys are. I'm going to ask you this: Of these three, from just a fantasy perspective, who are you interested in?
2: Uh, from a fantasy perspective, uh, the only one I'm really would be interested in is either Desmond Ritter or Matt Corral, uh, just because they have more of a rushing upside than Sam Howell. I, I like Sam Howell; he does have that rushing upside, but Desmond Ritter, he showed off his speed at the combine. Um, that's something that will stand out to one team. And I do agree with you. I don't think that these guys have any right going in the first round in the draft or in the first or second round in your rookie draft. But, you know, I, I was a little bit higher on Ritter. I think that, you know, he's got some talent. Uh, scouts have said he's a natural-born leader. Um, he took this Bearcat offense, put it on his back, and, you know, put instilled the confidence in the team to make a national title run. Um, as far as Sam Howell goes, I was really impressed that he was able to change up the offense that he was able to go with the flow with this North Carolina offense that got changed from being kind of a deep downfield threat to being more of a short screen you know mix it up a little bit downfield but um as far as Corral goes. I've watched too little tape on Corral, but he he looks like he's got a quick release, but he also looks like a lot of what was around him at Ole Miss was schemed for him. Like, I want to see what this guy does on the fly, more or less. Like, he was around a lot of play action, a lot of RPOs. Um, So, yeah, I'm just... I'm kind of out on him, but if he goes, any of these guys go to a good situation and a needy quarterback situation, I think that somebody could be worthy of a second, third round draft pick in you know, your rookie class or the NFL class period.
3: Yeah. I think you're talking about all guys who are are backup quarterbacks, third string guys at, at best Desmond Ritter. I, he screams Brett Hundley to me. He's ran a similar 40-time, similar size, uh, similar rawness as far as being an actual passer when it comes to reading defense when it comes to ball placement outside the hashes because that's the most important thing in the NFL is being able to hit that ball placement where you need it. Matt Corral, he reminds me a lot of Matt Barkley. Doesn't actually have a good NFL arm. It's going to just check down, quick passing game, and he has a little bit more mobility than Matt Barkley ever did. That's the only difference between him. Sam Howell. I'm I'm glad people are trying to come down Sam Howell a little bit. When the when the college season first started, all I heard was Sam Howell might be the guy. He's got a big arm, this and that. You watch the tape on him. He reminds me so much of Paxton Lynch, who I was not in on when he went in the first round. The reason being is this. He gets touted for this big arm, but when you actually watch the field, all of his big plays that he actually <laughs> are all over the middle of the field. All over the middle of the field. The second he actually has to... Throw a deep ball outside the hashes, he can't get it there. He doesn't actually have a big arm. You can throw it down the middle of the field, but when you actually have to hit it outside those hashes or down the boundary on the sideline, that's where real arm strength comes into play. He don't got it. It's either short, he either sails it over and out of bounds. Very rarely does he hit his player going down the sideline. Very rarely. And none of these guys, well, Desmond Ritter is is mobile. I was gonna say none of these guys are overly mobile to make up for it from a fantasy standpoint. Ritter is. I have a hard time believing he's ever going to get to the point where an NFL team is going to trust him starting at the quarterback position for him. There's one last guy I want to talk about though, before we before we have to go to the second half it. of the show. I love
2: this one.
3: And that's Carson Strong. Now Carson Strong is my third-rated quarterback, but as far as ceilings go. Might be my number one quarterback of this class as far as a ceiling goes. Now, go ahead, Justin. You're nodding.
2: Oh, Dan, I love Carson Strong. I wanted Carson Strong to be QB1 from day one because he's got, he's the only one that has all the mechanics to actually succeed at the next level as a good quarterback. Like, he's not mobile because we know he's got the knee injuries. Um, he wasn't even supposed to actually play this year because of his knee injuries, the severity of his knee injuries. But that to me shows toughness. That to me shows that this guy wants to work. He wants to go in and he wants to defy the odds. When you look at this guy, throw a deep ball. It's absolutely flawless from the release to the actual receiver. You're, you're like, Holy shit. This guy's got it. This guy's got a little bit of Favre, a little bit of Bletso, a little bit of gunslinger, um, And obviously, Gunslinger comes with a little connotation of, you know, he's going to make mistakes. He's going to throw interceptions. He's going to, you know, get sacked a lot. And that was one thing that he had a problem with at Nevada is he didn't really, like, have a, a timer in his brain for when pressure was coming. So all in all, just to wrap up what I'm saying, Carson Strong If it wasn't for the fact that he is a statue back there, he would be my number one quarterback because he is the number one quarterback as far as skills for me in this draft. He's just not mobile, so he's not going to get a lot of fantasy points, and he has to land on a team that actually would need him and would take a chance on him going in probably the second or late second, early third round.
3: I, I completely agree with everything you just said. I don't think being a pocket passer should knock you. The problem that Carson Strong does have, though, is that he's not just a statue in the sense of, like, he's not going to take off and run. He's a statue within the pocket itself. There's not a lot of pocket awareness where he's making guys miss, knowing when to step up and just doing those little things and make it a little bit easier on his offensive line. He has the best arm of this class, like a true NFL arm where he can hit outside the hashes on the ball placement. He can actually get it down the field. He can throw a dart anywhere on the field if he wants to. The problem is for him is that he's got a long learning curve coming from Nevada's system where it's set up to be very much hot read oriented. And when he actually has time or he actually has to have a play for him where he actually has to read the defense and make the throw, as you alluded to, that's where you see the timer doesn't go off. And he winds up holding on to the ball too long, which makes me think that if that hot route is not laid out for him and it's up to him to make the decision, there seems to be two indecisive, of a process going on in his brain, which that will come back to haunt you in the NFL. I gave him a range for my NFL comp. I said he's going to be somewhere between a Ryan Mallett and a Jameis Winston. He can be a Jameis Winston if he winds up on a vertical type of offense, but otherwise he could wind up being a Ryan Mallet if he doesn't take the next step in those fundamentals where he's just a tall guy with a nice size and a big arm and everything else is terrible. He's going to be somewhere in between those two guys. But I agree with you, as far as the ceiling goes, especially longevity, I think Carson Strong actually has the highest ceiling depending upon where he goes and how he's able to develop. But before we move on, we got to hit the break. Everybody, we're gonna be back on the other side with the tight ends. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Belly Up TV and on Roku. And we'll be back right after this. Can I get a round of applause, everyone? (laughs) Today, I'm excited to announce Manscaped launched their Ultra Premium Collection. Believe it or not, it's not for your private parts. I'm talking about a leveled-up hygiene routine with your favorite manly scent. This is an all-in-one skin and hair care kit for the everyday man and covers you from head to toe. Literally, Manscaped is trusted below the waist. Now trust them with the rest. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. We all Know how essential that Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 is for that precise trim below the waist. Their advanced skin safe technology reduces cuts to your most delicate areas. But now you can enhance your perfect grooming routine with our ultra premium collection. This package includes Manscaped's premium deodorant, hydrating body moisturizer, body wash, and two-in-one shampoo and conditioner, plus a free gift. A three-pack of lip balm to keep those chappers feeling moist. So get 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code Fantasy at manscaped.com. One more time, that's 20% off and free shipping when you use the promo code Fantasy at manscaped.com. The power of attraction is now in a bottle thanks to Manscaped.
2: You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show.
3: Welcome back into the show, MD Nation. You are watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show on Belly Up TV and on the Belly Up Sports Roku channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and you get the chance to go as comment in during the show, catch all of our content there, and download us on your favorite podcast app and listen to us at your most convenient time for you. I'm your host, Dan Maynard. I'm joined here with my special guest, Mr. Justin Herrera. We just talked about some of the quarterbacks that we're going to be looking for in the NFL Draft Special, which is going to be coming up on April 28th at 7.30 p.m. on Belly Up TV, hosted by yours truly, and 50 different guests, including Justin here, will be there as well. Now I we want to jump into the tight ends. And before we do that, I, I look, first and foremost, this class, there's no there's no pits. I would say there, there may not even be a Pat Fremuth. And tight end classes in general can be a little bit hit or miss. But here's the beauty about tight ends especially as somebody who likes to watch film and dive into these guys and really create these profiles. The thing about tight ends is that you're going to find one later on in these rounds. It's going to shock you and surprise you. So we're going to see if we can do that today. And before we get into that, Chris Dahauer joining the show. Chris, how's it going? Welcome. Thank you for making it for the second half of the show as we talk about some tight ends.
1: Yeah, I'm out here in the Steel City I'm trying to do my other day job and just finishing that up, so... Excited to talk about some draft stuff and tight ends. You know, Beckford was a guy that had a pretty nice, you know, season last year as a rookie. So definitely kind of interested to talk about tight ends moving forward.
3: Well, I'll kick it right to you since you just joined. Trey McBride, where does he fall on your list of rookie tight ends and the impact that they could have?
1: I think he's probably one of the top guys you can have on your board, depending on where he fits and kind of winds up. A lot of people kind of like him. Um, He's a guy that kind of profiles as a good pass catcher. I think there's some limited skill sets there myself where I think he's not necessarily a top tier tight end, but I think he's um, And I think overall when you look at kind of what the package is, do you have in place for them? Um, Trey McBride kind of guy, depending on where he goes and right fit, he probably will get you know, legitimate snaps, a legitimate opportunity to kind of be a producer year one, but it also could kind of vary depending on, you know, tight ends kind of struggle that year one, even Kyle Pitts as athletic as he was still had some struggles last year. So it, it's kind of an iffy thing with Trey McBride. I think long-term we love him short-term you might now kind of be a little cautious
3: yeah and just give everybody a clue here he is the consensus number one tight end whether you're talking about from fantasy talking about from an nfl standpoint and yet nobody really has him going higher than the second round in the nfl draft just kind of give you some idea but just what, what do you see out of Trey mcbride what are some things you like or maybe not like
2: uh yeah i mean Honestly, I don't like his yards after the catch promise. I mean, he doesn't look like he's a guy who really does too much in open field or create much separation from his defender to do too much in open field. Um, I do like that he's probably the best overall guy there. Uh, He's the the best blocker. He's the best pass catcher. Well, maybe not the best pass catcher. I think we gonna get to him a little bit later. But, um, you know, he's the best overall tight end there. He's obviously going to be the first tight end taken. Um, wherever he goes, he'll probably put up, you know, Dalton Schultz range type of production. Um, I think he's he's kind of a, just a simple tight end. But, I mean, as Dalton Schultz showed you last year, like just being that go-to guy can get you into the top five. So, you know, you don't really have to do too much. Uh, I, I don't think he's the absolute ceiling player of this draft, but I think he's a damn good floor player. And I think if you were to have him – and you draft him in the second, third round of your rookie draft, you would come away with a victory.
3: That's funny. My NFL comp for him was, in fact, Dalton Schultz as well, from what you can see on tape. He is a three-down tight end, so you don't have to worry about it from that aspect, which is what I think is going to get him on the field earlier rather than later, and that's always step one when it comes to a tight end anyway. And to allude to your point of yards after the catch and not getting much separation, he was 63rd in yards after the catch. He was 81st in average depth of target. That kind of indicates to you that he's not an athlete that's blowing people away, but he was second overall in contested catches which means when you get down to the red zone, when you get places to third down, you need to move the chains. This is a guy that you can throw the ball in his area and trust that he has good hands to make that catch in traffic, which I think is going to be what pays off for him as a possible fantasy tight end and a good starting tight end at some point. He runs routes similar to Dalton Schultz. I think he's he, he knows when to get in his breaks, to get out of them. He knows where to be on the field to just be that safety blanket. And I think he has an opportunity to be that guy depending upon... Where he gets drafted at. Not too exciting, but probably the safest bet if you go into your rookie dynasty classes and you're looking to who to draft a tight end and you're looking to take a shot on somebody. Probably the safest bet as far as his longevity goes with his career in the NFL, but not the most exciting guy. Greg Dolchich is somebody who's revered as a more exciting type of prospect. But Chris, what's your take on him?
1: I'm a little, uh, curious about the you know, perspective that he's such a big time prospect. I know this guy's a decent catch catcher. He's able to kinda of get in out his routes. He's able to kinda of get you know, make those easy yards to be a quarterback's best best friend in short situations, short third down situations, I should say. Um, but I really don't see any explosiveness as he kinda of talked about with you know, the other guys, Trey McBride. But I also don't really see anything that really kinda of stands out in the blocking game. I don't really think he's a mismatch. So I'm kinda of curious to see how he's really gonna translate into the NFL because in in the NFL you're not gonna be able to kind of you know, beat guys that are slower than you or beat guys who are, you know, you're less, you're more athletic than you're going to have equal athletes against you. And a linebackers and safeties, I think, are going to be able to cover this guy. I don't think he's really a mismatch. So I really don't understand kind of the love for him.
3: What do you think, Justin?
2: Yeah, I feel that. Uh, the, when I looked at this guy on tape and I said, he's not the number two tight end. He might be the number four tight end for me, to be honest with you. Like, um, honestly, the only things I could take away from this tape was that he's decent downfield and he's good at tracking the ball. Um, outside of that, Chris hits the hits it right on the head. Um, he's a terrible blocker. I mean, I literally have on my notes: blocking is not his thing. Like, and at times he lacks focus when trying to catch the ball. So you know, he's gonna you know drop a couple ones because he just it's not there. It doesn't snap in with him like that. Um, he's not somebody who I would be throwing, you know, into traffic with because he's probably not going to catch it. And, yeah, I mean, for me, this is just – I don't think he's the number two tight end. I would definitely have him probably about like four or five.
3: <clears throat> well, all of his stats and all of his measurables will say he's in that good range. He's a little bit undersized at 245. But he ran 4.69. That's considered good for a tight end. He's 26 overall in yards after the catch. He was 13th overall in average depth of target. That's pretty good. Contested catch to your point. He had a few drops. He's a little bit lower there down, down on the list. But the problem is, to your point, he's a passing specialist tight end. He's willing. He has a he's a showingness of a willing blocker, but he has a terrible technique. He stands right up and he doesn't have the base power you need to be a true three down tight end. So when you're talking about a guy who is a passing down tight end, not a guy you want to trust in all three downs, well, then he needs to be a mismatch athletically. He's not that over-the-top athlete, to Chris's point, who's going to make that linebacker miss, who's going to get separation on that safety. He's not that dynamic mismatch. So when you put those two things together, I'm with you. I don't see a guy who's going to have this huge impact. Now, the only thing I will say is that I've seen tight ends and he does have this frame where he might be able to pack on another 10 to 15 pounds and then they might be more willing to use him on other downs. But until he does that and gets some more technique in his blocking game, I don't see that being the case. He's not enough of an athlete for me to think this guy is going to get a real opportunity to be a fantasy dynamo down the road. Now, the next guy that we want to talk about, though, Isaiah Likely. This is the guy everyone's pinpointing is like, this is your passing down specialist. This is your... Jordan Reed, this is your guy from a fantasy standpoint you should get very excited for. I have some reservations on how much I think he's going to play at the next level, but I do understand what some people are looking at, too. Chris, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I see the receiver skill set. I see that he has you know, one of the better tight ends with his body, using his body, getting out of his brakes. He's got pretty good hips. But I was severely disappointed in his forty time. and His overall athleticism, he kind of showed the combine. Um, I think when you look at this guy, he is a pure pass catcher. I think he's a willing blocker but I don't think it really means that much for how his build kind of is. I think he's got you know, a glorified receiver in a lot of ways. Now, he's a little bit of a mismatch, I think, in some capacity, because like I said, he can get in out of his breaks. He's got pretty good hips. But that lack of explosive speed-wise, and that really, you know, really, not a seam stretcher, I don't really see. He's not overly athletic when it comes to going up and jumping and tackling the ball either. So when you have a guy who's pretty much built like a Jordan Reed, but doesn't run like a Jordan Reed does, I'm kind of concerned, as you kind of pointed out, what are you really going to be in the pros? Now, maybe you'll be a guy that can kind of get rotation in there On two tight end sets, or you know, in certain situations, but you haven't really seen a lot of those guys believe successfully in NFL lately. Yeah,
3: no, I I agree with you. You see the tweener tight ends, but everybody wants a tweener tight end, but nobody actually uses a tweener tight end. What do you think, Justin?
2: So, I mean, he was recruited as a wide receiver going into college, and that's when he went to coastal Carolina, where they said that you know, your best assets are going to be used as a tight end, probably because he's a little bit slower. He plays faster on tape. I will say that um, his forty time was, yeah, I, I was kind of disappointed by that as well. But um, to be honest with you, he runs some of the best routes of this tight end class. Um, you could tell he's fluid, like a wide receiver. I think that he's going to be a fantastic addition to somebody who wants to use him in a red zone offense. Um, I think you know you have him going in there doing some slants or. You know, right across the middle with some linebackers, it's going to be a perfect mismatch. Um, He does have – I mean, I was surprised his vertical number was a little bit low because when you look at him on tape, he goes up there to catch the freaking ball. But, um, you know, overall, I think that he does need to uh, work on finishing his run blocking and overall pass blocking I think he needs to work on too. But – I'm with you, Dan. I think he's not going to see the field much. It's going to be the times that he does see the field. And if I was a betting man, I would say a smart coach is going to look at him and say he's going to be a mismatch in the red zone. Let's put him in there.
3: Well, so I comped him to Gerald Everett, which I think is a really good kind of area to think about what his career could be. I agree with you, Justin. I think he is more athletic on film than what he showed in his measurables. During the combine, but the problem that he has, especially being a tight end, is that as a converted receiver, none of that extra mass that he put on went to his legs. He's got no base power whatsoever, which is really the big issue when it comes to you know being able to actually block and hold on to a block and everything like that. He is powerful on the on the flank. He, there's a couple of times where he's, he's getting down the field. He's able to put a good block on a you know a, a linebacker, a safety, a corner, obviously. But he's, he has a tenacity to be that guy if he can get that base power going. I just don't know if he has the body type to ever be built that way. Look like at Joe Everett in a very similar light. He's not a guy who's ever can be a consistent starter. Now, when he's out there on the field, does he flash because he has good hips, because he can run routes, because he has good hands? Yeah, and I think this guy's in a similar mold where if he's in the right circumstance at the right time. We might be talking about him at some point as a streamable tight end. But I don't see a consistent starter, a long-term guy. So from that standpoint and anything that you would draft in a redraft league, I don't see it. We're not talking about, like, he doesn't have the skill set to Kyle Pitts to overcome you know those other deficiencies. So yeah, I'm with you. Again, another tight end I'm just not overly excited by. Let's go to somebody that I hate. <laughs> I hate, hate Jalen Watermeyer. Hate him, hate him. The hype on this guy makes no sense to me. None, none whatsoever. Uh, by the way, not shocked by his pitiful pro day of 40 time at all. It shows up on tape. I was trying to figure out for the life of me why people had him as this big graded receiving threat of a tight end. And I'm like, he can't get past five yards. I, my grandmother gets past five yards faster than he does. It's, it's disgusting at times. He can catch the ball in traffic. Great. He is an average to above average blocker. He gets this kind of like this notion of like how great of a blocker he is. Uh, He fires off high. He doesn't punch. He lases your hands on you. If he can overpower you with his hips, because he's playing against lesser competition, he'll be able to do that on film. But if he's going up against somebody who's about similar size to him, there's no technique in his hands whatsoever. Jalen Watermeyer is going to be one of the most overrated guys in my book. They get captured by his size. And the fact that he can catch the ball in traffic, which he was 10th at.
1: Everything else? Oh. Am I wrong, Chris? No, I think you're hitting me right on the head. I mean, I, I kind of agree with you. I look at this guy, and I was really wondering, you know, all the hype he got coming into the season, and even out the last season, you kind of expect this guy to really have some great numbers or do something super impressive on tape. And I just never really saw it develop. I kept waiting for, like, this, you know, the pop moment, so to speak. Uh, and you definitely think that the combine is you kinda of hit this board and the guy a five over a five flat, um, over a five, which is ridiculous as a tight end. Um, and I think that we talk about, you know, his ability to catch the ball in with traffic, part of that is because he can't get open in separation. He's kind of forced to do so. Um, I do think he's strong. So I think that's where people kind of maybe are, are liking him in a sense where he has maybe the best build as a tight end, you know, per se, but which we were to design a tight end out of know, a video game, for example. He has that kind mm-hmm. of build and that look and he's able to kind of if you use his body correctly, or he used proper technique, he could block properly. He could be kind of mismatching some red zone, possibly. But overall, I think this guy also played. You know, all the things you kind of pointed out. He's played lazy in my book. So you put all those things together, I just don't see somebody who's going to really come in and wow the NFL. Now, can he maybe be a guy who maybe stumbles into some touchdowns early on in his career? Absolutely, because I think that's where you're going to kind of see where he falls. Can he be a guy who maybe gets you know six, seven touchdowns because that's all he really does? Possibly, but I don't think he really does anything else. I think a, a good you know. Overall, the guy's a better blocker. But Kyle Rudolph's kind of a career you're kind of looking at, I think, in a lot of ways, where it's kind of a guy who's there, but somebody would kind of try to steal his job in a sense. You, you're you're serviceable, but we don't really love you.
3: Is there any rebuttal, Justin?
2: No, not at all. I was going to say Ian Thomas,
3: <laughs> just, kinda, one, you know. just
2: just kind of there, like he you like you said, Dan. You want him to be better, and everybody wants him to be better, but he's just not. I mean, the tape is he's great at contested catches and traffic, but he also has inconsistent hands. So what's up with that? You know what I'm saying? Like, like how are you going to be dropping the easy ones but catching the really fucking difficult ones? Yeah. So it, it's just, yeah. So, I, I mean, I don't really want to talk too much more about it because you guys kind of hit the points I was going to say
3: on it. <laughs> well, that's fine. Because remember, when I started this segment, I said, the thing about tight end is that you're going to find ones you like later. The later round tight ends are the ones that might surprise you, which is why it's always fun to dive into these guys. This next guy, Grant Calterra from SMU. Mm -hmm. I really like his passing skill set. I want to see him get a little bit heavier. But he really has the passing skill set that I'm looking for as an athlete and has the ability He's got to work on the fundamentals, but he has the ability to be an inline blocker. I see a a guy who could potentially be a three down tight end, but has a natural receiver gifts. And I cop him to Dawson Knox reminds you so much of Dawson Knox, the way he runs routes, the way he goes up and gets the ball. And he's a little bit faster, 4.62, 40 times for him. He was utilized as the main weapon in that offense. Everything about him. I like, he shows good explosion down the seam he gets separation he goes up and catches the ball uh 36 and contested catches he retired for a year from concussions that's the that's the one thing you do have to worry about you already have a guy who's worried about it had to go away from the game of football came back he was actually going to be a firefighter wound up coming back to play college now he's looking to go in the nfl so that part of it is concerned concern but this has all the makings of a diamond in the rough in my estimation later on the draft. His draft value values somewhere around the sixth round as it stands today. What do you think, Chris?
1: I'm probably not nearly as old as you seem to be. Um, I'll give you a comp and this is kind of, you know, we're in the eyes of the holder in a sense. Austin Hooper is a guy I kind of see it out there in a lot of ways. And if you love Austin Hooper, I think Austin Hooper is a good enough tight end, then so be it. I'm not a big Austin Hooper fan, my personal myself. I think this guy is not ever going to be a good blocker at all. I think he's a willing blocker possibly, but I don't think he's ever going to be a good blocker. I think he's not built to be that way. I think he is a good pass catcher. I do agree with you. He's a guy that you can kind of utilize in the passing attack, but I think he has to kind of, I'm not overly excited about his athleticism in general. Um, so I look at this guy as somebody that has kind of a niche that if he fits the right place, he could do well, but I also think it's easy for him to kind of fall off, you know, the map and so to speak moving forward. So I think this guy's kind of a hit or miss prospect in my book.
3: I don't you know I don't disagree that he's a hit or miss guy. I think we get to these range or all type of hit or miss guys, but he's one of the few guys that has a skill set that I can see being easily transferable. All right, Justin, break the tie.
2: All right. So I'm gonna go with I am against Grant Caltera. Uh I like that he's a good ball tracker, but I don't see his t- <laughs> wrong
3: answer. Go ahead. <laughs> I don't
2: see his talent getting elevated at the next level. Um, he, like Chris said, he's an okay blocker. Um, overall, when you're going in the fourth through sixth round at a tight end position, you kind of got to have some sort of good blocking skill set. Uh, at that range, I'd rather take like a Jelani Woods or something, somebody who's got more of a blocking skill set. Um, for him, it's a great story, but some of the things you look at when he's running his route, sometimes he gets thrown off by physical Contact, you know what I mean? Like he, he gets into contact with linebackers and his timing's like all thrown off with his route and he gets all shuffled. So for that, I look at that, I'm like, small school, that's phenomenal. That's great. You can go do that. NFL, no, they're gonna fuck with you all day long. Like, and it's gonna mess up your routes, and then your quarterback's gonna get mad, and then you're gonna be riding the bench, and then you're gonna be riding the practice squad, and then you're gonna be on the firefighting squad. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm gonna go. I'm against it. I I like the kid's story. I hope he does have a career, but as a prospect, I don't. I don't see it.
3: Well, I'm laughing to the bank of the rookie trap class. <laughs> 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 There's another guy I like late Jelani Woods. Justin, are you gonna rain on my parade with Jelani Woods too?
2: No, no, I like Jelani Woods.
3: What do you like about?
2: him? Oh man, when he was um, what do they call the pad? The blocking pad on uh. This on the combine, whatever, whatever. But when they were doing the blocking drills, they, they have a name for him. Um, so whenever they were doing the blocking drills that day for the tight ends, it, he was the only one that was six seven. And there's Connor Hodges, there's Cole Turner, these guys that are all like six 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 seven. And he's the only one getting damn low, like getting low, like a freaking amateur wrestler and freaking going up on this thing, chopping his feet the entire time. I look at that and I go. Just like I was saying with Grant Caltera, I want a good a run blocker. I want a good pass blocker. I want somebody who's got some good skills to go along with it. If I'm going in the fourth through sixth round, because I'm gonna more than likely I'm gonna use you as that. I'm gonna use you as a pass blocker, a run blocker. Um, for him, he's an unnatural catcher. I, I mean, you look at this guy on tape. He's kind of goofy when he catches the ball. Um, not really a natural athlete. He does. Just because of his size, break a lot of tackles, which could be great in the red zone when you think about it. You know, you just go up there, lob him the ball. He's six seven. I mean, he could easily get it right all the way up here. I think he had like a thirty four inch arm, so he's pretty much a ridiculous talent. Uh, you just got to kind of find a way to use him. So, I mean, I'm all for it, Dan Jelani
1: Woods. I'm okay with that guy.
3: How about you, Chris?
1: Yeah, 100 agree with Justin. I think that. When, for me, what I'm looking for a tight end is a couple of things. If I want, if I think you're really going to value you, better be a technician or a damn good blocker or a combination of the both. And the other thing I'm looking for, if I haven't really seen any of those, I want to stitch you're a physical phenom. And if you have a physical skill set that kind of you know be is a mismatch in some senses or can be utilized in a different way to be be you know, providing whether it's in the blocking tech or the passing game, I think as a guy you want to have on your team to add. So Jelani was to me, is I agree that he needs to kind of work on some of those things. But as Justin kind of pointed out, I do see some things I'm, I'm pleased by. There is a good blocking technique. He does get low. He's a kind of, he does have <laughs> a decent hips with how big he is. He kind of reminds me of Mo, Mo L.A. Cox in some ways, where I like Mo L.A. Cox and I like the skill set. He's got to just get the opportunity with the right coaching to kind of utilize him in the best way. Or is he kind of turned into a glorified blocker in the next level?
3: Yeah, I actually into to uh, Jordan Thomas, uh, kind of similar in, in a lot of situations. He, he's 6'7", 265, and he ran a 4'6", 1. That right there is going to put you on a lot of teams' radar. And of the late-round tight ends, he's probably the most sure bet for playing time because he can come in day one and be an effective blocker right off the bat. There's no doubt about it. The hands he's got to work on. The routes, he rounds them off. He's got to work on being able to sink the hips when he goes in and out of his breaks like he does when he goes into his blocks. But I will say this. He was eighth overall in contested catches. So when he's in traffic, when he's in the red zone, he plucks the ball out of the sky. He'll go up and get it. So that's going to be the big thing. Can he translate that to when he's in between the 20s to really see the potential that he frankly does have? But there's going, to be some, there's going to be a learning curve when it comes to the actual fantasy of it all, of putting up those kind of points. But he is going to get on the field, and I think earlier rather than later, and that's going to give him the opportunity to really shine at some point in his career, which is why my fantasy football projection, I have him as a, a tight end two to a low end tight end one potential. I take a shot on a Jelani Woods because he has bright skill sets and will be drafted in the right area that he's going to be able to take some people by surprise and we'll be able to get him later on in your rookie drafts. He's the guy to take a shot on. There's always a steal, or I shouldn't say a the steal. There's a, a guy who steals the show, let's say, the tight end position, because he wows you with a 40-time. You wouldn't expect a tight end to wow you. Now, I'm not going to pretend like I'm going to get this name right, but I'm going to try. Uh, Chig Okonkwo. Uh, that's the best attempt I got. Probably butchered it, whatever from Maryland 62244 ran the 45240 that everyone's talking about. So he's fast, a bigger guy for being that fast, a little bit undersized for the tight end. Is he just fast or is he actually a fantasy diamond in the rough, Justin?
2: Uh he's definitely a playmaker. Uh you look at his tape, they have him lined up in the backfield, they have him everywhere. Uh, One thing that kind of alarms me is that it seems like every time he runs into a tackler, he seems to go down, which I'm like, dude, you're like 6'2", 240 plus pounds, like run through a a defensive back. But for some reason, every single time I was watching his tape, it was just, I mean, it wasn't every single time, but it was a good amount of times this guy was just going down by the first tackle. Um, But overall, you know, I feel like he could be a good utility man. He's got good hands, uh, not a phenomenal blocker. Uh, he's got the speed, like you said. Uh, so definitely we'll find a spot on a team just with the speed alone and the playmaking ability. It's just where he takes it from there. will determine you know his fantasy value and his value in the NFL.
3: I like that assessment. And Justin's gonna lead it, is gonna cap off the show for us right then and there. Justin, thanks for so much for coming on to the show. Guys, we'll be back next week with the running back draft class. Don't forget, April 28th at 7:30 p.m. kicks off our NFL draft coverage on Belly Up TV. We'll be back again for the second and third rounds on Friday, too. You'll see more of Justin and 49 other guests throughout that with me and Chris Dauhauer. Download us after the show on your favorite podcast app and subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football YouTube channel. Channel. We'll see you guys next week.
0: Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky?